Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Week 1 NFL Podcast with the Pro Football Network betting team. I am David Behrman, Chief Content Officer of Pro Football Network, alongside Brian Blewis, our Director of Betting, and Kyle, we call him Thirsty Kyle Soppy, formerly of ESPN, now a Pro Football Network fantasy and betting analyst. We're here to give you the lineup of Sunday games. If you've tuned in, you would have already heard our Thursday night podcast where Brian and myself broke down the Chiefs and Lions. We'll also be back on Monday for the Monday night football podcast and a game between the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. But today, gentlemen, we're going to talk about the Sunday slate. 13 games on Sunday. It's week one. Brian, Kyle, we're finally here. We made it. We made it. We get to talk betting with actual starters on the field. Like that's a nice change of pace. We're not betting on third string brown quarterbacks here. So I'm I'm in on this. I like this flow. I like what we're doing here. I like what you guys have brought to the team and uh I'm ready to win some money to be completely honest with you. It's funny you you, you mentioned the Browns third string quarterback. Well, we'll we'll just actually just start off with that game right off the back. The Browns sure. and the Bengals. It's week 1 divisional game. We actually have a home dog scenario where the Bengals are a 2 point favorite over the Browns. 47 and a half is the total. Uh, I'll bring up a note that I helped ESPN's Mackenzie Kramer look up last year, and it comes back into play this year that home dogs in week one division games are simply on fire. 8 0 in the last five years and 16 2 and 1 over the last 11 years. It's a note, it's a trend, it's a nugget. Is that what you're looking at, Brian? I know you like this game, but why do you like this game? Yeah, first off, let me just use this time to say goodbye to my family, friends, anybody in my life, because for the next five months, all the priorities are about football. And do not bother me on any Sundays, Thursday nights, or Monday nights. Football, Perfect. football, football. But to go to your point, that is playing – As your boss, I concur. Yeah. Now, to go to your point about uh, the trends of division uh, – division dogs in week one that is playing a big factor here but i'm also much higher on the browns and consensus this year and a little lower on the Bengals and consensus so they're playing each other week one and if the odds aren't baked into my expectations for either of these two teams i gotta go with the browns i mean it's been a popular side in this game because people are unsure about joe burrow's status we all expect him to play and the browns like they do every July and August get a little bit of a hype because they're very talented. And as we all know, they wind up being the Cleveland Browns. Kyle, bringing you in on this podcast. Thank you for being our first guest on this Friday edition of the Pro Football Network Week 1 podcast. What do you like in this game? I'm going to go the other way here. Unless you can get it up to a field goal. I'm seeing it at two and a half in a lot of spots right now. Joe Burrow, you mentioned it. He's been banged up. We all expect him to play, and he's just been nails against the spread. The Bengals, the best road team ATS over the last two years at 13-4 and four against the number. I'm not against the Browns play. Like I like where the Browns are headed, like everybody does this time of year, like you mentioned. But if it's under a field goal, I can't do it. I can't bet against Joe Cool. So if it's under a field goal, I'll take the Bengals. If it gets up to a field goal or pushes past, I'll it'll probably be a no play for me. But if we're going head to head for the sake of the podcast, I'll go head to head with Brian and take the Bengals. Are you a little no, you worried brought up a good- at all? So similar circumstances last year when Burrow had, I believe, the appendix injury. He missed the entire mm-hmm. preseason, missed all of training camp, was back for week one. And they started the season 0-2. And a lot of that was due to Burrow wasn't really playing like his usual self. I believe he had two touchdowns, four interceptions, a 73 QB rating. I mean... I could see something similar this year do the same reasons because of rust, 
having a tough week one opponent. I believe they play the Ravens a week after. And then our next three games are really easy against the Rams, the Titans, and I believe the Cardinals. So I don't, I like them to go off a slow start this year, but I can still see them in playoff and Super Bowl contention for sure. It's very possible. It's funny that you bring up that fact that the Bengals started off slow last year without Joey Burrow playing in the in the preseason and getting injured the appendix last year and this year obviously it's it's the leg. I spoke with our Bengals beat writer and for those that don't know we have a Bengals beat writer just like we have a Dolphins beat writer and a Dallas Cowboys beat writer Jay Morrison if you go to our website profootballnetwork.com and click on hyphen Bengals Jay Morrison I talked to him the other day about that very thing and he says based on what he's spoken to at camp and based on talking with Burrow and talking to others, that they are dead set against starting like they did last year. Granted, 0-2 eventually turned into a division title and a spot in the AFC title game for the second straight year, but he says they're going to be ready. And this was the hardest game on the docket for me to pick in our straight-up article that's out on ProFootballNetwork.com. Um, I went back and forth. I had the Browns, I had the Bengals, I had the Browns, I had the Bengals. I ended up with the Bengals because after talking to Jay, I figured they would come out. Uh, but I can see why the Browns would be a popular play, especially with that week one note that I brought up. Yeah, I think you're getting a little bit of a discount. That's all. I like Joe Burrow, and I, I think you're getting a little bit of a discount. If he's fully healthy, what's his number? Four? So, and I think he's going to be closer to fully healthy than he is injured. I'll take my chances back in the guy that's beat the number pretty much his whole career, but I, I get it. It's not a heavy play for me. I will say. And there you have it. There you have it, the first time on the Pro Football Network betting podcast that we have uh, two people on either side of a line. So somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose in theory unless it lands right on the number. Uh, but we have our we have our first head-to-head matchup in our first game. I will say I Let's love Jay's reporting. He's one of the best there is, especially covering the Bengals. But I would hope they don't want to go off, get off to a poor start like last season. If, that, if they didn't say that then I would be fading them for the entire season. So that doesn't really change my mind too much, but they might be a little bit more prepared this time than last time after already going through it. Moving on to our second big game of the weekend, you have the San Francisco 49ers who appeared in their NFC title game last year, if we call that an appearance, um, at favored by two and a half and 41 and a half is a total at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another home dog scenario, not a division game. So that other note doesn't come into play, but you have a Pittsburgh Steelers team who looked extremely good in the preseason, albeit it's the preseason. They played their starters more than anybody else. People on this pod, me and you and, and, and uh, pro football networks, Jason Katz and even Kyle, we all took the Steelers during the preseason and we all profited handsomely. It's one of my best bets of the weekend, and I wrote it up in the column before the Bosa news, and it's not changing my mind. I just think getting points at home with a Steelers team that that has the good head coach, always has their team ready to go. Are they as talented as the Niners? No, not anywhere close. I think the Niners will end up probably right back in another conference title game, and the Steelers will be lucky to make the playoffs, although I think they're better than people think. But I look at this game, the Steelers 3-0 ATS in the last three openers with Mike Tomlin. Niners are the opposite, 0-3 ATS the last three years at openers, including last year's embarrassing loss to the Chicago Bears, where if you think about that many, many, many weeks later, that the 49ers lost to the Chicago Bears in the rain. It was an ugly game. Um, I just think, you know, it's it's a 10 a.m. local start for the Niners. The game's in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are just more prepared, and yeah, Bosa's going to play, but he hasn't been in camp until yesterday. So I'm taking the Steelers, but I'm also going to take the Steelers' money line at plus 120 and roll with that one week one. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I went into that game. I look at it. 
I'm like, oh, yeah, I like the Niners. Like, they're a better team. They're more talented. Everything Behrman said was accurate. And then I started digging, and all the research kind of backs the Steelers in this spot. We all expect Kenny Pickett to take that next step forward in year two. We always hear about the sophomore gains at the quarterback position. And over the last two seasons, five quarterbacks have made a nice jump from rookie to sophomore campaign. They went 4-1 and one in season openers. All four of those wins came as underdogs. The spot Pickett finds himself in this week. I don't know if I'm going to get there because betting against a more talented team is just a tough way to make a living. But if I had to pick a side, give me the Steelers. I think this game could be low scoring. All the trends kind of point to this game potentially going under the 41 and a half points. And if you're going under the number and I'm getting points, like it becomes more valuable. If I had a lean, it's that way. I don't feel strongly on this one. Ryan, what do you like? Yeah, I feel pretty strongly about the Steelers here. I mean, all the trends are in their favor. They're 15, 4, and 3 as home underdog under Mike Tomlin and 13 and 8 straight up. That's a really impressive number. And you just know they're always prepared to play in these situations under Tomlin. And I'm not completely sold on the 49ers as a team guaranteed to make it back to the NFC title game this year. I mean, as impressed as Brock Purdy was last year, we still have very small sample size. Now he's coming off that elbow injury. Teams have more tape on them. And they're going against a really formidable Steelers front seven and pass rush. And outside of Trent Williams, this is this is supposed to be one of the worst offensive lines in football this year. I just think this is too good of a spot for the Steelers as home underdogs. And this line was at only a point when it first opened. We weren't sure about Brock Purdy's status when we didn't know it was going to be Sam Darnold or even Trey Lance. I know Purdy is definitely more trustworthy than those guys at the moment. But is he really one and a half points better because of a really good six, seven game stretch last season? That I'm not totally sure, especially coming off the elbow injury. And there you have it, our first family pot game, where not only (laughs) is Kyle, Brian, and myself on the Steelers, but so is Jason Katz. And if you go to pfnbetting.com, you'll get our column in which all four of us have the Steelers in this game, which is a scary thought. Uh, We're either all going to win or we're all going to lose. It is the first family pot one of the day. I took it a step further than those three and went with the money line. Brian, highlighted a lot of the reasons why and I just personally think the Steelers are more ready for this game and maybe that doesn't matter in week seven or week eight uh, when there's all other factors involved and injuries and such but this is game one it's across the country for the Niners you've dealt with the Trey Lance drama you've dealt with the Joey Bosa drama are they ready are they not ready and and quite frankly like last time we saw Brock Purdy, Purdy his his elbow was falling off in the NFC title game and we wound up with no quarterback in that game congrats to your Eagles um, but I just I think it's a better spot for the Steelers and and I think we're all in agreement here yeah I mean the only other time we've all been in agreement in anything this summer was for another Pennsylvania based football team and Penn State cashed at the last second for all of us so what's not to like never in doubt right no, right, that was amazing. That, 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 that was a family pod. All of us in a group chat were all in on the Penn State Nittany Lions, and uh, the, their head coach did us a little bit of a favor with a, uh, a little run-in at the buzzer there at the end of that game. So <laughs> maybe we'll all get lucky on this one as well. Um, moving to another big game, uh, the Miami Dolphins at the L.A. Chargers. And um, point for me for not saying, Los A- not saying San Diego. I was pretty sure I was going to say that. Chargers are a three-point favorite, total of 51 uh, we saw this game last year in, in prime time, and the, the Chargers at the time seemed to have figured out the mystery of the Dolphins' offense and shut it down completely. And Adam Beasley, our Dolphins beat writer, wrote about that this week in the column um, at ProFootballNetwork.com about maybe uh, maybe it was a little bit of a myth that the Chargers actually figured out 
uh, the Dolphins offense and, and gave a blueprint that he doesn't think that's all that there is to it. Um, but what do you guys think? I'll go last on this one. You know, it's no secret that I'm a big Miami Dolphins fan. Um, and, and I go back and forth on this one. So I'll let you two go first. Sure. I mean, how, how many games do you think Justin Herbert has seen decided by three or fewer points in his career? It's, we're not talking like Aaron Rodgers. My man's been in the NFL since 2020. How many games has we, he seen come down to the wire decided by a field goal or less? He plays for the Chargers. So I'm going to guess every single game. <laughs> it's what we hired you for, Kyle. <laughs> 19. 19 games. 19 times in three games. So you're, you're telling me he has to cover a field goal now. You know, you could, I guess you could buy the half a point if you want to get the three and a half. So, but either way, the spread's three. He's got to cover that. Every game he plays is within that number. 59% of games over the last four years, when a dog's been in a game with a total of pushing 50 plus, the dog's covered. Like I said, 59% of the time, the Chargers play every game within three points. Give me the points here. I'm not messing with the money line. This game's going to come down to the wire, and we all know it. I want the points in my back pocket. Give me the fins. I did not pay him to say that, by the way. You yeah, pay it's me. pretty hard to disagree with um, Wasapi's with, with points there. I mean, one, I was a lot higher on the Dolphins in this matchup before the Jalen Ramsey injury, and you never want to overreact too much to a line because of an injury to a defensive player. I mean, they don't move the odds at all. It's pretty much just quarterbacks and the best skill position players and guys like Aaron Donald on defense, but – Going against his Chargers passing offense, that's a little concerning for me. But at the same time, it's really hard to trust the Chargers uh, not to win by more than just a few points, obviously. And they're going against a big Fangio defense with the offense that's first game under a new offensive coordinator. And that might be a little bit of an adjustment. But at the same time, we know the Chargers every year, their downfall is always injuries. And this might be the one time a year they're fully healthy. So so this game, like, I was on the Dolphins podcast this week, Pro Football Network's Dolphins podcast with Matt Infante and Adam Beasley, and we talked about this game for 30 minutes. So I've broken it down every which way. Um, part of me thinks that you could see a repeat of last year if the Chargers shut down the Dolphins, but part of me also, well, listening to Coach McDaniel and, and, and other sound and columns that we've gotten, uh, I kind of laughed at it, saying it's not a blueprint. They did a couple of things. We're not going to allow them to do those things again. And what really caught my attention was looking at the box score while having this discussion last week. And I saw that the Dolphin defense allowed Keenan Allen uh, to, to, to basically have 12 catches for 100 and something yards and a touchdown. And Mike Williams won bananas. The Dolphins have a better defense this year. And yes, Jalen Ramsey is not going to play. But Xavier Howard is healthy. He dealing with a groin injury last year, which did not help the secondary. And you have Vic Dangio. And, and with, with Fangio back there and a new D.C., the defense is supposed to be one of the best in football. And if that Dolphin defense does shut down the Chargers offense, the Dolphins will win this game. It's a big if. Eckler, Williams, Allen, Herbert, they destroyed the Dolphins last year. Um, But at the end of the day, everyone's talking about this game like it was a 40-point blowout, and the Dolphins lost by six. Lost by six, it was arguably the worst game they played all season. So I expect them to play better. I expect them to cover the number. Hopefully they'll win outright. Not a play for me. uh, I'm not playing it at all. Uh, But I agree with all of the points that you guys made on that game. Moving on to another. Say again. No, sorry. Go ahead. That's where my DFS dollar is going to be. I'll have fantasy stuff tied up in this game more than bets. And by the way, sometimes the best betting advice can be to not play a game. We're here to give you sides and totals and props, et cetera. 
But if we don't want to play a game, we're going to save our money and, and put it elsewhere. Never force uh, a brings player. us to a another big game on the slate. Brian B, Brian Lewis's Philadelphia Eagles defending NFC champs, laying three and a half total of forty five at the New England Patriots, and and this is a line that has moved a lot as well. Brian, I'll let you go first as the resident Eagle fan. The line has moved a bunch. What do you like about this game? Yeah, like you said, the line has fluctuated a ton since it opened. It's been anywhere from three and a half to five. And and you look at this line on paper, you see Eagles are only minus three and a half at New England. You think, wow, that's a pretty small number for the defending NFC champions who might even be better this year, despite losing seven stars on offense. But they weren't very good covering these numbers on the road last year. I believe they're only two and five ATS as road favorites, just because they tend to get overvalued in these spots as this Super Bowl contender. And especially in week one, a lot of the odds are based off of what we saw from last year. And this Patriots team, even though they're, they're expected to be the worst team in the AFC East, they should be better than last year. I mean, they almost made the playoffs despite having Matt Patricia as their offense coordinator and that Jacoby Myers play against the Raiders. I mean, they honestly could have been the playoffs if not for that game and that fluke loss against the Bengals. So I'm not high on this Patriots team. I'm not as low on them as you are. And while I love to back my Eagles here, I'm a little nervous about covering this number on the road at New England, but I do like them outright for sure. Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, no, the trends and everything that Brian mentioned are valid. And I think this line stinks. And there's something to be said for that. Like, I don't like when people say, oh, that line is fishy. Like, I'm just going to avoid it. Like, usually it's fishy for a reason. Vegas knows something we don't. I get all of that. If I'm going to play this, it's Eagles money line, or I'll I'll go ahead and play the Patriots team total under. I'll go that route. I, I don't know what they offer as far as upside goes on the offensive side of the ball. So if New England's moving the ball, it's going to be time-consuming. Try to limit the number of possessions. We saw Philly lose this way to Washington late, late last season. I don't think New England can beat them, but I do think they can hold the ball long enough to make this game boring, which is not great for fantasy, not great for fans. I think the Eagles win at the end of the day, so I'll lay two to one to take the money line if we're going that route. If you want a straight bet on this game, I'll take under the Patriots total. I don't think they get to 20 points. Kyle did hit a nerve just there, bringing up that Washington game. That was so odd. That was a fluky loss for the Eagles because of that first, the Dallas Goddard fumble on a really blatant face mask where he got injured and missed the next few games. And then they're about to go take the lead on a huge play to Quez Watkins, and then he fumbled the ball immediately after. I digress. (laughs) You know, I was celebrating the night, Brian. Why was I celebrating that night? You tell me. Because it was their first loss of the season. And what did that mean for the first loss of the season? Undefeated Dolphins. (laughs) Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Thirsty Kyle. Their schedule was a joke. And until that last team loses, that champagne sits there on ice until it happens. Anyhow, um, I actually like the Eagles here. And I I get it. The line might stink. The line might be fishy. Whatever adjectives you want to use. Follow the AFC East very closely. I'm just not a big fan of this New England team. And Brian, very valid points. They almost made the playoffs last year. Should never count out a Bill Belichick team ever. Uh, but just look top to bottom at this roster and the talent deficiencies they have. Maybe Mac Jones becomes better than he is. Wow. They added Juju Smith-Schuster, who may or may not be injured. They added Mike Gusecki. Watch that guy for four years. Those are not anything that moved the needle for me. They were a 500 team last year that that could have made it, but didn't make it. 
the Eagles defending NFC champions. I think they got better in the Bearman power rankings. I have the Eagles as a six points better than the Patriots. I'll gladly take the three and a half and buy it down to three, but I don't even think you need to do that. Uh, I bet it at four and a half earlier this year in the column. I'll gladly take it again at four. I just think that the Patriots are not better than the eight wins they had last year, and the Eagles are going to be the Eagles. Are they going to be a 14-win team? Probably not. The schedule is tougher, and you know people aren't going to be surprised by them this year. I just think that the Eagles are far better than the Patriots, and I think you're getting value here for reasons I don't know. And Kyle brings up a good point that it could smell in some way, but I do think the Eagles uh, win this one and win this one easily. And you know, I could be wrong, and I've been wrong before, but I just I like the Eagles here. Moving on to the last of our big games, Sunday night football, Cowboys laying three and a half, 46 and a half at the New York football Giants, our first of back-to-back primetime games at the Meadowlands uh, right there. It took until the other day for me to realize the Giants and Jets are hosting back-to-back week one. Um, Of course, we'll talk about the Bills and Jets on our Monday podcast, but first comes up Cowboys and Giants, another home dog divisional scenario that I talked about off the top with the Browns and the Bengals home dogs week one in division games have gone eight and zero the last five seasons and 16 two and one over the last 11 seasons it's still Cowboys Giants it's still Dak Prescott who doesn't lose to the Giants but do you believe in the Giants do you believe in the Cowboys we'll go first with our NFC East guy talked about the Philadelphia Eagles just like I know the AFC East you know the NFC East Brian, you'll love both these teams. What do you have? Yeah, these are my two undisputed most hated teams in football just because as an NFC East fan, the commanders have been pretty irrelevant for most of my fandom as an Eagles fan. But it's hard. I mean, looking at a plus three and a half for for the home team against a division rival, any other time that'd be super enticing to me, except you mentioned earlier, Dak does not lose to the Giants. He lost his two games against them his rookie year and hasn't lost against them since. This is a team that he has owned for the past few seasons, and I think they're the much better team. I know there's a lot of love for the Giants right now because of Brian Dable. They made the playoffs last year, and that they are proved on on both sides of the ball this year, especially with uh, the addition of Darren Waller. But I'm not fully in on them just yet, and it pains me to say this, but I'm very high on this Cowboys team. I don't think the gap between them and the Eagles is that big. So I'll I'll lay the number here, but I'm going to pass on this game. Kyle, before I kick it to you, Dak doesn't lose to the Giants, as Brian said, but Dak doesn't have to lose to the Giants for you to cover with the Giants, which is the beauty of sports betting. Could take the three and a half at home, and Giants could still lose. Um, and, and Brian mentioned the Cowboys that he's extremely high on. I believe you had them number two in, in the power rankings, which is our uh, our, our betting fantasy I and NFL. Four, not two. I, I, had, I had Eagles two, Chiefs one. Of course, the Eagles two, yeah. but. If you want to see the power rankings that Brian, myself, and others did, it's also on ProFootballNetwork.com on the NFL page, power rankings every single week. Thirsty Kyle, Sunday Night Football, Cowboys, Giants, what do you like? Yeah, I'm in lockstep with Brian here. I'll trust our NFC East guy and just the numbers in general. Like The Giants gave up 44.5% of their scores on the ground last season. We know Tony Pollard's taken over the reins in that backfield. Very high for fantasy and for everything betting related when it comes to Mr. Pollard. Scores once every 29 touches for his career, and that's without him getting the valuable touches. Zeke's been there siphoning those carries for his entire career. That's not the case anymore. Zeke's in New England, and I get to bet against him in a different game. 
So I'm, I've got Pollard here. I'm taking Pollard to score. Minus 135 right now. I could take him to get the first touchdown at 5-1. to one, And I'm just going to play the Cowboys through and through. We'll see how the rest of Thursday night went and how, fr- or, uh, how early Sunday goes to see exactly how many ways I can play this. But I'm going to have exposure to the Cowboys in the first half, the money line against the spread, and Pollard to go over just about everything. We'll have a same-game parlay article out Sunday morning detailing a few legs to get that uh, – that off the ground for you and a little better than even money and uh yeah no cowboys for me and it, i don't think it's super close and there you have our first player prop touchdown hey now prediction of of the pro football fantasy betting podcast uh which we're going to bring you more of as you know the, the the books have been slow to release the pot the release the props and when they start getting released we'll have more and more props given out on this show but for the primetime games of course We'll have our own individual betting article for all Thursday, Sunday, and Monday primetime games on pfnbetting.com. And as Kyle just mentioned and gave the very awesome shameless pug plug, he will have a, a same-game parlay article for all three primetime games. Um, he's already talking about his Cowboys one, and then we'll have Bills and Jets on Monday as well. And for me, I'm not a big fan of this game. Of course, I'll have action because it is Sunday night football. And like you said, we'll see how the rest of the Sunday night slate goes. I'll have a same game parlay. All the books give the promos for the same game parlays for the primetime game. So I'll have it. One thing I'm probably going to do because I love doing this. It's not necessarily a play on this game, but it's a play on the week. I love mixing in at least one money line parlay dog parlay of the week. Uh, you go for broke, you try to get three dogs that you might think win outright and get maybe 10 to 14 to one value and hit a hit, hit, hit like a mini home run there. I'm probably gonna play the Giants in it. Now, do I think they're the better team? No, you guys both outlined while the Cowboys are better. They are at home, Sunday night football, underdog, probably will throw the Giants in a money line parlay, maybe with the Browns that, that Brian mentioned or another dog that we're going to talk about Um we're not going to get into Bill's Jets because that's Monday Night Football, but Jets, another home dog situation that you could do a little bit of a New York, New York money line parlay that plays four to one. We'll talk more about that um, on Monday, but it, it's a situation where you have a home dog scenario in a division game, and I'm going to probably mix the Giants in with a couple other bets and try to hit like a little soft home run there with the money line parlay. After working at Caesars for a few years, one thing I noticed is that. There are a lot of states where we have a lot of homer betters and New York oh, and New yeah. Jersey, especially they're two of the three biggest states for sports betting in the country and they're the biggest homers how they bet. So that's going to be a very popular parlay this weekend that Jets Giants money line parlay because they're also home dogs against division rivals on primetime. And that has absolutely no reason why I'm doing it because no. I don't like either one of the New York teams. But yes, it will be a very popular one. I won't be the first one to think about that. I'm going to try to mix it in with somebody else. Other games that we'll mention that have home dogs. Indy's a home dog. The Jacksonville. We talked about the Steelers. Obviously, we'll have the Steelers in there. Um, The Browns we mentioned. Uh, The Patriots are a home dog, but I don't like that game, so I won't be taking that. But those are just some of the home dog situations that we have this week. There is a bunch of them as opposed to some of the other weeks in football. So those were our main games that we want to hit and spend a lot of time on, but we are – under our time frame, so that is good. So we are going to cover every single one of the Sunday games. So we'll move on to Texans and Ravens. We have our first double-digit line of the season. Ravens giving 10 to the Texans. Total is 43.5. It's our first double-digit one. Soppy, sop trend, all the trends we got. What do you like in this game? 
I mean, the Texans are the best team over the past two seasons when the game goes over the total. So we don't think that they're going to score a lot, but if the Ravens score a lot, then maybe we can get there and the Texans can cover a big number. I'm not interested in this game at all because I think the Ravens are just that good. I hate laying this many points in week one where we know very little about these teams. And let's be honest, the Texans are terrible. They've had two months to prep for this game, and you give professionals two months to keep it reasonably close. If you put a gun to my head, I'd probably take the Ravens. But laying, I'm just not doing it. I'm not touching it. You can't make me. You can't do it. You're my boss, but you can't make me. I'm not going to make you do it. I don't have an official play on the game. I did want to throw a couple of stats out there that I looked up last night while studying for the podcast. I I always take double digits if if I can. Like I'm not ever laying double digits in the NFL. I will take the points before I lay the points. The stats are out there about, about double digits in the NFL. It's more profitable to take it than lay it, despite what it looks like, because obviously the double-digit team is better than the team getting double digits. However, Baltimore Ravens, 6-1 and one ATS in the last seven openers. And it's not just 6-1 and one ATS. Some epic, epic blowouts. They beat the Bills 47-3 to three in an opener a few years ago. They beat the Dolphins about 1,000-0 to zero a couple of years ago Remember that. in a game that was over in the second quarter when my family showed up in Dolphin jerseys and I was ready to jump out the window. They are a sneaky team this year that I like. I like the Ravens overall. I have a 20-1 to 1 future on them that I, I think could pay some dividends. But, yeah, I want no part of this game. You don't know what Lamar's going to do. You don't know how D'Amico Ryans is going to do with the Texans' defense. It's a pass for me. I lean towards the under with, with Ryans in there in the new defense. Brian, what about you on this game? Yeah, I actually do like a play in this game, and you can force mm. me make a pick because I do have a bet for this game I already made. And this is gross, but I'm taking the Texans plus 10. Yeah, I get it. I mean, all the trends are in the Ravens' favor. I mean, you mentioned how good they have been in week one and under John Harbaugh, but this is a little bit much of overreaction from last season. I mean, the Texans are going to be a lot better team this year than they were last year. I think it starts with D'Amico Ryans and this improved defense with Will Anderson and some other guys that got in free agency. And while I do buy the Ravens this year, especially their improved passing offense with Todd Monken, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., Lamar Healthy, having the contract stuff behind him, there might be a little bit of a growing pain to start the season. I mean, this is the first time Lamar's NFL career he'd be learning a new offense. And he has two, three of his four top pass catchers outside of Mark Andrews, wide receiver, are new to the team he has to develop some chemistry with. So if you wanted to find a spot to fade the Ravens, it probably would be this week when the, when they are 10-point favorites against a Texans team that still will be bad this year. But I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. The perception might be. They just have a lot more solid players on both sides of the ball. I mean, I'm not totally sold on CJ Stroud having a really good game here, but we're talking about 10 points. I know this is a betting podcast, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the best play in terms of this game would be possibly a survivor play. Everybody at this point, while listening to this podcast, is still alive in Survivor unless you pick the Thursday night game and lost, which is possible. Everybody else is still alive, and the Baltimore Ravens are probably a high on that list of survivor picks. It is a double-digit game, and it is one of the more popular picks out there. Again, we have a survivor column on profootballnetwork.com at our PFN betting and fantasy sites. Derek Tate authored it, and the Ravens are one of the plays he gives out on there. So it's one angle to take, but I don't blame you for taking the 10 points there. Moving on to a game that I know Brian has interest in because he told me five minutes before the podcast started 
that he had a sneaky play he was adding to his best bet list. In Atlanta, an NFC South battle between the Falcons and the Panthers, not a home dog scenario. It is a division game. Someone's got to win the NFC South. Falcons, three and a half, 39 and a half. Not one that's going to be featured in any of the top boxes of anybody's direct TV, YouTube TV, Sunday ticket, whatever you call it. Who do you like, Brian? Yeah, I, I'm, I went into this podcast really only liking underdogs, and that's never the greatest recipe. So I try to find a favorite that I liked, and I've really landed on the Falcons here. I mean, three and a half is a tough number for a favorite at, against a division rival, but I'm just really down this Panthers team after watching this preseason. I mean, I said I don't want to overreact to preseason, but I'm back in the Steelers and fading the Panthers largely because of it. <laughs> but another reason is I just don't really have any faith in this Panthers offense. I mean, Bryce Young looked like he really struggled in the preseason, but it wasn't really his fault. The offensive line couldn't protect him whatsoever. His skill position guys are really underwhelming. I mean, his number one option is a 32-year-old Adam Thielen, who I think is already banged up, and DJ Tark is already injured. And then at running back, he is Miles Sanders, so I'm not sure how good he's going to be away from this Philly offense, not, not having that offensive line and Jalen Hurts at quarterback to really open up the holes for him. So I'm just really down this Panthers offense this season, especially with Frank Reich as coach. I mean, you guys remember in Indianapolis how they get off to all those slow starts every year. And even they tied the Texans, I believe, last season. So definitely this is really a fade of the Panthers and Frank Reich earlier this season. And I do see the optimism people have for the Falcons. I mean, it really is how far can Desmond Ritter take them. But he doesn't need to be this superstar quarterback from the win football games. He just really needs to be a, a manager of the football, take care of the ball, and really just avoid making mistakes and rely on his playmakers and Bijan, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts. So I'm really high on this Falcons offense, and they got a lot better on defense and free agency as well, too. So we might look back on this game in a few weeks and think that three and a half was a gift, or I might be dead wrong, and this Panthers team might not be as bad as they show in the preseason. Kyle, I feel like these are some of the games that, that you live for. Uh, it's a game nobody wants to watch. It's a game my brother's going to be painfully at. I know he's listening. Uh, he's a Falcon season ticket holder, so he'll be rising up and watching that one. Uh, I feel like this is like a hidden gem type game for Kyle Sapi. I do like these kind of games because they go under the radar. They don't get it bet as much, so you don't see the line movement quite the same. There's no reaction to it. There's no hot takes about it. I'm not going to come out firing here, but I'm going to take the first half under 19 and a half points right now. Neither one of these teams wants to play with any kind of tempo. Neither is in a hurry to do anything, largely because they don't trust their quarterback to do anything. They're going to be running the ball plenty, and game script's not going to come into a factor early. Could the Falcons separate themselves? Sure. But early on, the I mean, the Panthers brought in Miles Sanders. They're going to want to run, you know, three, what is the saying, three yards in a cloud of dust? That's older than I am, but I think that's how it goes. They're going to do, that's going to be their style. We know the Falcons have offensive playmakers that they refuse to use, so it's going to be a lot of B. John Robinson on the ground. The Falcons could win the first half 13-3 to and cash me this bet. I don't know how there's going to be more than two touchdowns scored in the first half, and if that doesn't happen, they're not getting to 20 points. So I'm okay with going. I'll go under 19.5 right now as it stands. Uh, first half, Panthers at Falcons. It's a good thing this is audio only because I just threw my hands up in disgust because Kyle took my play on this game. Hey now, and I almost That's the only interest I. <laughs> that was my first lead was going to take the unders at third nine and a half, but I just feel a little gross taking unders below forty, even though at the same time that's the books telling you we need help on the over. Yeah, and, and I literally wrote this up last night when prepping. It's a game that I'm not going to have a high interest in. If I did anything, I'd take the first half under 
And there we go. As I'm about to say it and prepping it, Kyle just jumps in there with, I don't see these teams scoring. I literally wrote, game over is in play as well, but expect this to be something like 7-3 at the half. Okay, you gave him more than I did. <laughs> right. So, uh, unders are actually 15-5 and five in the last 20 meetings between these two, some of which when these two teams were good. I mean, that's over the last two years, uh, two, uh, sorry, last 10 years of these matchups. 15-5, and five, different coaches, different quarterbacks, take it for as much as you want. Falcons are a ball-controlled team, one of the slowest teams in football. They got Bijan, they're going to be running more. Panthers, like Brian said, that's why he's taking the Falcons. There's nothing in the preseason, albeit preseason, uh, nothing that was good about the Panthers' offense. They played Bryce Young more than other teams played their quarterbacks, and he just looked awful. Um, I I, I don't like the Panthers this year. I don't really like the Falcons either. We'll talk about who I do like in that division in a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to go first half under 20. It's not my favorite play of the week, but if I'm going to be interested in this game, it's going to be that. I thought about the game under, had the exact same feeling without talking to him that Brian did, that playing an under that's in the 30s is really dirty and tough to do. (laughs) But if there's going to be a game this week that goes under – and it's in the 30s, it's going to be this one. Like, this game could end 7-3, to three and you'd be like, oh, duh, it's not even close to 40. Um, nothing really of these two offenses. It's not a game you should probably look at in uh, the DFS market. Uh, it's not a game you should look at in most pools. It, it's going to be one of those, pick the under and go watch something else. Oh, so. totally. But um, I want to ask you guys this. So I try not to overreact too much of the preseason, but I think there's more value in – reacting poorly to a team's performance in the preseason versus like getting a little too high about it because the Panthers offense, they were struggling and weren't playing against all these first team defenses. So it's a little bit more truth to the, their struggles versus the Steelers offense going against backup defenders. So that's why I take this sample size of the preseason a little more strongly here with the Panthers versus even though I am high on the Steelers now because of their preseason, but I'd be, I'd take the struggles a bit more seriously than the highs of the preseason. Speaking of uh, bad NFC NFC South teams, we mentioned the Panthers and the Falcons. Now we go down to Tampa, where the Tom Brady-less Tampa Bay Bucks are playing in Minnesota this week. Uh, not an NFC South team. The Vikings are a six-point favorite, forty-five and a half. Uh, I'll jump in there. I'm not high on the Bucks this year at all. I actually took a stab at them having the worst record. I know everybody else is on the Arizona Cardinals, and for good reasons. Uh, but there's no value in betting the Cardinals right now. So I took the Bucks at seven to one to have the worst record in the league. And, and, and shameless plug, I've won this bet two straight years, hitting on the Bears last year. Thank you, Lovey Smith. Um, and, and hitting on uh, the, I believe it was Jacksonville the year before. Yep. Um, so I'm not high on the Bucks. Uh, and, and I know Brian's going to get into a minute how the Vikings were the luckiest team in the history of football last year with 13 wins and one score games. I'll let him give you the stats. I think the Vikings are okay. They're not as good as last year's team. They lost a lot of people on defense, um, but their offense is their offense. And you have Jefferson and you have Cousins. Uh, you, you have the rookie wide receiver out there. And I think their offense is going to be good enough. Um, the Bucks also have a defense offense with, with, with playmakers out there, although Baker Mayfield's the quarterback. I'm going to go with the Vikings. Uh, not a big play. Um, it, it's an early contender for a super contest play. Uh, but I also like the over 45 and a half. And so I'm leaning Vikings and over 45 and a half for this game might do a little bit of a same game parlay, alt parlay, moving those lines around a little bit and getting a, a better number, a better over number and a better Vikings number. I just don't expect much out of the Tampa Bay Bucks this year. 
I don't think you're alone in that. A lot of people are kind of killing the Bucks, and I think it's a little premature here. Baker Mayfield isn't a great quarterback, but, I mean, let's look at what Arizona and people like that are throwing out there. Like, we've seen a lot worse, and he's got grade-A playmakers on the perimeter and in the slot, and this Vikings defense really can't stop a nosebleed or anything related to football. So I'm going over 45 and a half. I feel good about that. I might get an adjusted total and keep going over. I think it's a sneaky stack for DFS. You're looking at a Vikings team that loves putting points on the board, hates having the ball in their hands, and hates stopping the defense. I don't know what better combination you could ask for. And then you've got Baker, who's got the downfield numbers to support him in a shootout situation. You've got Mike Evans, six foot four. All he does is catch touchdowns and have these massive games at random times. This could be one of them. And then Chris Godwin. I think they're going to be able to move the ball consistently. And I, I just don't think either team gets any stops in this game. I, I think it goes over 50. You're doing, you're going to do a little bit of an alt over there? I, I smell an alt over there. If, it very well could happen. If, it, it's either that or just some, uh, some cheap DFS exposure into tournaments and try to make a bunch of money on a little ticket that way. Did you ever think you'd see the day where the Jacksonville Jaguars were four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in week one? I didn't. Uh, but, of course, they're playing Indianapolis, four-and-a-half-point favorites, 45-and-a-half at Indy. Another home dog divisional situation here that leans to Indy. Not a game I have any interest in myself. If I play it, I'd play the four-and-a-half at home because of the home dog divisional week one scenario. I'm not as high on Jacksonville as everybody else is. I do think they'll win the division by default. Um, I definitely don't like Indianapolis, even considered to have them as the worst record. Couldn't couldn't do it because I know Anthony Richardson will get them a couple of wins this year, and you never know what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. But without JT, with a rookie quarterback who I spent a lot of time watching and don't believe in, and Anthony Richardson, <laughs> I don't like Indy, but I'm not there yet with – this is still a Jags team that needed to win seven straight games to make the playoffs last year. I'm just not there yet. Kyle? I'm not touching this game. I'm high on the Jags, and I'm part of the public that is all over the Jags, win the division, win 10 games, all that good stuff, all over Trevor Lawrence and fantasy, and that's that's kind of where I'm going with the Jags right now. I'm I'm invested enough to not have to play this card. I Anthony Richardson can do a lot of things. Can he win a football game in week one? I don't think he can. Can he make enough plays to cover the number, make this interesting? Sure. If I had to pick a side, it would be the Jags because Richardson probably makes a mistake or two more than a big play or two that he makes. But I, I am really not betting against variance that comes with a rookie quarterback, a rookie athletic quarterback built like nothing we've ever seen. Yeah, this game stinks. I'm going to join you guys and just passing on this one entirely. I mean, this line opened in May at Jaguars minus three and a half. And the only change I've really seen for the Colts during that time is that Jonathan Taylor isn't playing. Jeez. There's no way he's worth one and a half points to the spread. So a big reason for that is just people being super down the Colts and the public, Kyle and myself, being really high on the Jaguars this year. Yeah. So the public perception here is really driving the odds up. And you're getting a home dog that's five points against division rival. But like you said... Can we really trust Anthony Richardson to move the ball down the field, throwing the ball in his first start? Like, it might be an easy matchup with his Jags defense, but I'm not touching this game. We move on to Titans Saints. Uh, I, I, I've touted it all offseason and preseason. I'm a fan of the New Orleans Saints this year. No, I don't think they're anywhere near the Eagles and Niners in the NFC. 
but I do think they run away with the NFC South division. I have a plus 120 ticket, and I also have an over 9.5 ticket. Quite simply, look at their schedule. Their schedule is Eagle-esque from last year. No offense, Brian, but it's a very, very easy schedule, easiest in football, wins all across the board. Um, They're not a 14-win team like the Eagles were last year, but I do expect the Saints to win the division. Not high on the Titans, another one of those AFC South teams that probably aren't going to contend, although they did last year with their 7-3 and three start. I just think their window has closed. I'm using the Saints uh, as one of my best bets this week. I like them. I like Derek Carr. I know Kamara's not there, uh, but this is a game that I like, and I think laying the three is, is pretty good here with the Saints. I'll donate the half a point. I'll go to two and a half. I'll, the Titans are kind of like, we were just saying the Chargers play a lot of close games. The Titans... That's all they want to do. They want to ride Derrick Henry and make this like a, a 45-play game for both offenses, and you can only score as much as anybody in that few of plays. I'm with you on the Saints. You guys asked me for a long-shot Super Bowl pick. I want Bills over Saints in the Super Bowl. It's a long shot for a reason. I get it, but the Saints are a very good team. I don't think people give Derrick Carr enough credit. This offense is built around what he does well. Kamara, you mentioned it. It's a running back. They come and go. But... uh. We'll get there with them. The, I'll buy the half a point down or take the Saints money line. That's where I'm going. I, I worry a little bit about a push, but I'm not. There's not a strong feel for me here. That FanDuel promo where you put fifty dollars down on a team and then you get five dollars back for, for every the single win they yeah. have. I considered the Saints for a hot second at forty to one. Get a two thousand dollar ticket, five bucks back for every back. win. Yeah. Um, didn't pull the trigger on it. I took the Chiefs because it's more of a guarantee that the the promo maxes out at 10 wins. I'm not much more confident the Chiefs get 10 than anybody else, but I could absolutely, I mean, I bet on the Saints over nine and a half, so that's where I'm going with that. Brian, your thoughts on Titan Saints? Yeah, I'm passing on this game. I'm high on the Saints like you are too, but I'm kind of afraid of fading the Titans in this spot. I mean, we know how formidable they are as underdogs under Mike Vrabel, and this might be the healthiest it'll be all season. I mean, it's hard to rely on a lot of their top players to stay healthy for the course of the season. And I've been burned a lot fading the Titans in these sort of spots with teams that I do like. So I won't have any play here. I'll look at Chris Olave. His props aren't up yet, but I'm really high on him having a really big season this year. Derek Carr is a really good quarterback for him because although he doesn't love taking those shots downfield, Derek Carr is really good at throwing the deep ball. Mm-hmm. And Olave had a really nice average at the target last year with Andy Dalton at quarterback. So that's a guy I think I have him on all of my fantasy teams. So I'm going to have to bet high on him week one to really make sure that uh, my, my pick was well spent in all my drafts. Alave's price is wide receiver 15 in DFS contest this week. And that is on a slate that doesn't include the bills, the jets, the Cowboys, the giants, the chiefs, the lions, you're missing a lot of teams and he's still only priced at wide receiver 15. So if you're going to bet his props, I like that. If you want to get him in your DFS lineup, I'm not going to tell you no. As we uh, run out of time here, we're still going to hit these other games. We're going to do more rapid fire as we get to the other games on the slate. Cardinals, Commanders, probably not a game that a lot of people are going to be invested in. If you're laying seven with the Washington Commanders or taking the Cardinals in any way, it's probably time to go look in another direction. Uh, Commanders are probably the most popular survivor play this week, which, you know, cross it off, take the free square, move on, and, and, and not burn a good team. I get it. Anything you guys like in this game? Lowest scoring team on Sunday, Arizona Cardinals. They're the favorite, but it pays 6-1. to one. They're not going to score. They might not score, period. They're not going over 15 points. I'm fine with that, 6-1. to one. Sign me up. 
Yeah, before we didn't know who their starting quarterback was. I mean, Jonathan Gannon thinking he has some sort of competitive advantage by not telling us <laughs> it's Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon. Like, I'm joining all the Eagles fans where I can't stand this guy, and he was big, big most responsible for our Super Bowl loss for sure. But before we knew about the situation, and we knew there would be really bad offseason long, but when we assumed it was Colt McCoy as a starter, I actually liked the Cardinals in this spot just because I thought it was too many points of Sam Howell on his second career start at home. But I'm not touching this game. We just talked about Sam Howell, Josh Dobbs, and Colt McCoy all in the same sentence. You don't get that anywhere else but the PFN betting podcast. Las Vegas Raiders at the Denver Broncos, divisional AFC West game. Broncos laying three and a half, 44. This is the most confusing game of the week to me because I don't know what to expect out of either one of these teams. The Broncos, in theory, should be better with Sean Payton. The Raiders have some weapons left with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, arguably one of the better wide receiver running back combos. But Jimmy G's your quarterback. Take it or leave it. I don't see either one of these teams competing much this year or making the playoffs. For what it's worth, the Raiders swept the series last year with Josh Jacobs going nuts. I lean points, especially with the hook, but it's mostly a pass here. It's a play for me. Jimmy G since 2019, 31 and 15 outright when he throws at least 20 passes. And seven of those 15 losses have come by four or fewer points. So you're telling me I get inside that window? That means 38 of these 46 games have been decided within that window or in the favor of Jimmy G. I'm signing up for the Raiders. I'm higher on the Raiders than most. Sign me up. I think they finish ahead of the Broncos in this division too, for what it's worth. Yeah. Moving on to rant. Oh, no, I, was say, I don't have a play in this game. I'm much higher on the Broncos and the Raiders this year, but this line's a little inflated by the mile high home field advantage in September. So I'm going to pass on this one. Mm-hmm. we got two more games to hit the uh, Los Angeles Rams without Cooper cup and pretty much no offense or at Seattle minus five forty six in the column to get a play on this game. I took the Rams team total under 20 and that was before Cooper was ruled out. I, nothing really to like. I, I did take the Rams team total over six and a half when before Cooper Cup re-injured himself. It's a bet that I probably would like back. Um, not sure I want to lay five in this one. I think the unders in play. If I were to have action, it would be Seattle minus five and the Rams team total under 20. Brian, anything you like here? Yeah, I mean, Kyle talked about betting the Cardinals as a low-scoring team of the week at plus 600. I really like the value on the Rams at 16 to one to be the lowest scoring team. I mean, there's nine teams ahead of them right now that have shorter odds than them to be the lowest scoring team on Sunday. That seems pretty crazy considering Cooper cup isn't going to be playing. And I'm sure that most of the listeners, of this podcast can't name more than two pass catches on the Rams offense without Cooper cup. I mean, is it going to be a Tyler Higby show? I mean, maybe you'll have a stat line of six catches for 24 yards for all we know. But I just don't see how they put up many points in this spot. And that 16-1 value, even though I use a free bet on it, that's too good to pass up. Kyle, anything on your end? No, I, I don't mind that angle at all. I've got Cam Akers under 63.5 rushing yards. I just don't think they're going to have the ball. And you guys have mentioned they're not going to score. And if they're playing from behind, he's certainly not getting those rushing yards. It might take him 17 to 20 carries to get to 64 yards for me to lose that bet. Don't think he touches that number. Last game of the week is a good old NFC Norris, NFC North division game between the Packers and the Bears. Not sure many people got that reference, Kyle. Bears are laying 142 versus Green Bay. This historically has been a Packers-Aaron Rodgers-owned situation. There is no more Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, if you hadn't heard in the offseason. Bears laying 142. 
my only action here is going to be on the over. I don't really know who's going to win this game. It seems like a coin flip. Um, Chicago offense looked really good the second half of last year, but their defense looked pretty bad. Packers looked good in the preseason. Not sure that continues. Uh, but if I have any, I think 42 is a pretty low number. When these two teams met last year, the first one was 37 when Justin Fields hadn't taken off yet and 47 after he did. Um, leaning towards the over 42, not my favorite game of the week. Kyle, your thoughts? I'm leaning the other way. So we might have a head-to-head play if things uh, go a certain way here by Sunday afternoon. But uh, yeah, I'll go under. I think both teams want to they want to win 21-18 kind of games. And hey, when you get two teams that meet and want to play like that, it kind of happens. I mean, both teams have multiple running backs that I think will be viable. Neither team has a quarterback that I really trust through the air right now. Green Bay dealing with some wide receiver injuries. And outside of DJ Moore, the Bears kind of struggling with wide receiver depth as, as a whole. So if I had a lean, it's under not super strong. But if we're going head to head, you know, I'll, I'll throw down on that. This wouldn't be a very fun podcast if we all just agreed with other the no, entire I guess it time. Wouldn't. So it's good that we have a disagreement there. Brian, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I've actually made a bet on this game already, and I'm taking the Packers. I mean, I think people are a little too down on the Packers this year because they don't have Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers did not have a good season last year. His QBR of 41.3 was just ahead of Russell Wilson at 26 in the NFL last year. Nobody would have, nobody known at the, knew at the time from watching these games, how close they were in play, as the numbers do indicate. And they still went 8-9 eight and nine, eight and nine last season. And they have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way this year. So I'm pretty high on the Packers being a potential playoff team this year. And I think they're a lot better team than the Bears. And they're slight underdogs because they're on the road. I mean, I'm not a Fields believer like everybody else outside of fantasy. And I don't think they made enough improvements this offseason to warrant them being home favorites right here. I mean, they made a lot of signings on the defensive side of the ball, but they still have maybe the worst pass rush in the NFL after only having 20 sacks last year. So this is a great spot for Jordan Love in his first game as a full-time starter. So I'm going to go with the Packers. Maybe another money line dog to add to your parlay. He's going to take the Packers and he seems to like them outright. So he'll take the Packers and that could be another dog you play in your money line parlay. I love a lot of dogs this week, especially week one where there's the perception is all over the place. and It's going to change really quickly. This is the week to hit the dogs in my opinion. Well, there you have it. We've covered all 14 Sunday games. We already took care of the Thursday night slate on the Thursday pod, and we'll be back on Monday to discuss. Brian and I will discuss Bills and Jets, Aaron Rodgers' debut. Jets run hard knocks. They're the talk of the offseason. We'll talk about the game on Monday, but we've got 14 games in there. Appreciate you guys tuning in to the first full slate of PFN betting podcast. Uh, make sure you go to the pfnbetting.com website so you can get all of our betting material between Kyle's same game parlay article. Brian posts a couple articles on this full slate as well as the Monday night game and the Sunday night game. We'll have separate articles. We got Kyle's trends piece, Derek Tate's survivor piece, and of course the PFN fantasy site has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles to help you with your decisions this week in fantasy, DFS, and betting. That's what we're here to help you with. So for Kyle Soppy and Brian Lewis, I'm David Behrman. Thanks for listening to the first PFN betting full slate podcast.